Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. Checkpoint Software Technologies is a leading provider of cybersecurity and threat prevention. Checkpoint Cloud Guard provides unified cloud native security for networks, assets, and workloads, including automating cloud security, preventing threats, and managing posture all across multi cloud environments. Hello, my name is Jack Wallen, and I am here for New Stack and the New Stack Makers podcast. My guest today is TJ Gonan, head of cloud security at Checkpoint. And we're going to talk about microservices and application security, leveraging AI and machine learning to create robust security, role of web app firewalls and API management. Cloud security platform is intuitive enough to discern between requests that are malicious and of note. I would like to hand it over to TJ Gonan so he can introduce himself and tell him why he's here. Thank you for having me, Jack. So my name is TJ Gonan, yeah, and I've been with Checkpoint now for 18 months. I actually joined Checkpoint through an acquisition of my company in the cloud security space, in the application security space, specifically focused on an area that's called serverless security. Been in cybersecurity for way too long because I am old enough to be there way too long. So I think you count cybersecurity years in RSA show years. So it's <laughs> been like 20 some RSA show years. So it's, it's a lot of time. Grew up in Israel, but I've been living in the US for the last 12, 13 years. Went through the typical motion of Israeli cybersecurity people, you know, the Israeli army, startups, and now checkpoint. So let's get right into this. We know because we all listen and watch the news that cybersecurity has become an incredibly important issue. It's smacking us right in the face on a daily basis. And I think that a lot of people in this country and in the world have kind of ignored security for the longest time. And I think we've reached the point where it's just impossible to ignore now. So what is your take on what is happening at the moment with security? I think there's two ways to look at it, Jack. There's one way to look at it and say, oh my God, it's a miracle that we're still up. Right. Think about just what happened in the last 30 years as far as connectivity, and let's compare it to roads and cars. What the internet looks like today compared to 30 years ago is like if you would have a billion more cars than you had 30 years ago, you would have a lot of road accidents and a lot of casualties. We're still up. We're still running. We're still functioning due to a lot of obviously security companies and cybersecurity technologies and some awareness. So I think that's one angle. It's a miracle we're still up. On the other end, when you have so many things connected and so many things moving so fast, and I would say one of the things that changed a lot is that we really don't have a lot of patience to wait for anything. We want things now. And businesses want things now. And when your competitor moves very fast, you go back and you say to the developers, hey, just move. And the security guy, you know, he's the guy, he became like the lawyer and the accountant that yells, no, 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 don't sign the document. I need to redline it, right? <laughs> and everybody says, dude, I'm just going. <laughs> I'm just going. So I think by definition, more things are going to happen because there's just more opportunities for things to happen. On the other end, we're still alive. We're still walking, but there's going to be more pain. 100% more pain. And like you said, we're starting to feel it and everybody's very aware because it just happens in big things like the oil pipe thing. And it's just big things. And I think there's going to be more pain before it becomes better. But it's just a natural evolution. There's more things, more opportunities for bad things to happen. You touched on something a second ago about how fast things are moving. And as a tech writer myself, 
I see this a lot. Like I'll decide to write about something and I'll go in and start writing about technology X. And a lot of times what I write are how-to documents. So I'll start writing this how-to document and I'll go in and I'll look into Tech X's documentation. And I realize that Tech X's documentation is wrong. <laughs> and what's happening is, and I think this is fundamental to what we do now and what companies do now, is that they're moving so fast that they don't have time to step back and go, hey, wait a second, we've got to make sure the documentation is correct. And when they don't make sure the documentation is correct, things can break really easily because other people are depending upon their technology. And if your documentation isn't correct, then the people that are depending on your technology are depending on it in such a way that it's broken already. It's a very good example to the implications of moving super fast. One example is, you know, cloud computing is obviously some a very big topic for all of us, and it's really life-changing for companies. Just think about the sheer number of services that the cloud providers introduce every year. At reInvent, AWS always likes to talk about the amount of services they introduce. So last year, it was 1,500 new services. It's insane, insane. And now you think about exactly what you just said. Okay, so I want to use these services. How do I use them? So the documentation around it, the API documentation, and then think about security. I need to secure these 50. Who the hell is going to secure 1,500 new services that were introduced yesterday, right? And configure them. <laughs> then you look at it because we're talking about microservices here, and you have 1,500 possible new services that very likely could be based upon a container image that has vulnerabilities in it. This is exactly this uh, new era that we live in. You described it perfectly. You have all this amazing amount of services, and you're literally, as a developer, expected to use them. If you think about the cloud, the cloud was built for developers. This right. is what it was built for. This is a developer come true. Everything is code. Every, you can move very fast. There's open sources. There's registries of everything. You can download and start using. From a security perspective, it's like picking up a USB stick from the floor and plugging it into your server in the data center. That's the equivalent. But you are encouraged to move super fast. You're encouraged to do these things. You're encouraged to use all these services. By definition, and just like you mentioned, the sheer number of things that you can use, the opportunities to do something wrong, to misconfigure something. I'll give you an example. You know, in the cloud, and this is perfect with microservices, you're going to use a microservice, you're going to use a container, you're going to use something. You need to give it permissions. What is it allowed to do? Okay. Now, as a developer, you have two options. <laughs> One of them is to go and say, okay, this container only needs access to this, this, and that, and that, and that, and that. And actually, in this service, it only needs these four API calls. That's one of your path. The other one is allow all. It's not going to break anything, and it's really, really fast to do that. What do you think people choose? Allow all. Of course, allow all. <laughs> right. It's, it's just like when you're using Red Hat Linux or, or CentOS, and SE Linux gets in your way. Right. And instead of trying to figure out how to allow the service through SE Linux, you just go, I'm just going to disable SE Linux because it's easier. Right. Well, it's sure, it's easier, but what are the consequences of doing that? So what are the consequences of deciding to build whatever service or application you need to deploy? You build it on a container image that isn't safe. And I think that one thing that organizations need to understand is that you can't stop this. It doesn't matter if you're concerned, if there's a security risk, you, you have to embrace it. You have to embrace the fact that our job as people who are concerned about security is to enable developers, application developers, and infrastructure people to use all of this stuff in a secure way. The no option doesn't exist. And I think that's number one. I still meet some people that somehow dream that they have a no 
option, you know, they have the no button. Doesn't exist anymore. It's really, I mean, to a large extent, it doesn't exist. I'm talking with financial institutions. I'm talking top 10 financial institutions that you would think have the ability to say no. It's getting eroded every year, their ability to say no. So that's number one, embrace it. The second thing is now, I think the core principle, and that's what we talk a lot about also with Checkpoint, the core principle is you have to be as automated as the stuff you're trying to protect. When you embrace that notion, we have a saying, it ain't done till it's automated. Right. And that's the definition of done. You're working on a project. I tell that to customers all the time. You're working on a project. Your definition of done is it's automated. There's no human intervention. Security is there automatically. It's configured automatically. You can apply it automatically. The developer changes the application configuration. You change with it automatically. Because in that, exactly like you mentioned earlier, Jack, like in the speed and scale of cloud and microservices, you're not going to have time to call anyone and say, hey, just a second, let me configure the rules here or something like that. So automation, number one. And I think, so embracing that is going to happen and embracing the notion of automation is going to be critical to the success of putting security. Now, automating security is not that easy. It's honestly, historically, security was not designed to be automated. Security was designed to actually call that guy and review something and go over something, read the policy document, and then configure rules. You know, in the cloud, I come from, uh, I mentioned my company, we dealt with serverless security. So serverless functions, one of the cool things about them, they're up and running for 10 milliseconds and then they go away, they die. So you have 10 milliseconds. Whatever you're planning to do, you have 10 milliseconds. (laughs) (laughs) If you plan to put security there and configure it, you have 10 milliseconds, go. Gone in 10 milliseconds. Think about how many things break when everything moves so fast, like a 10 milliseconds. Learning period. What learning period? Right. 10 milliseconds. You don't even have time to learn. Like learning period, baselining, 10 milliseconds ago, right? Or configuring permissions. The developer puts a function in and then he changes it after like 10 milliseconds or after a minute. So a lot of these concepts change. So I think automation, to your question, People need to embrace the concept of automation and they need to embrace the same automation principles that developers and application lifecycle has been embracing over the last 10 years because that's been happening, right? The reason we can move so fast or the developers and application people can move so fast is that because everything in the application lifecycle has been automated, CI, CD, DevOps, right? A lot of automatic testing, automatic deployment, automatic change management, and now cloud automates infrastructure. If I want to triple my infrastructure, I write a script. Boom. It's the three times the infrastructure. Security has to sort of embrace that genetics to move as fast. Otherwise, you're going to lose the battle. It doesn't matter how good the security is. If it's not automated, you're going to be toast anyway. So where is this happy medium between this race to automation and the desperate need for security? The happy medium is... I'm not sure it's a happy and I'm not sure it's a medium. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I think the solution is that you're going to have the security mechanisms are going to be as automated as the application that's been developed. I'll give you an example again. Let's take that you're using a microservice. And let's say that as a security policy, you're saying, hey, you cannot put a container in the cloud or you cannot put a serverless function in the cloud as part of an application, let's say a production application, without it being one scanned for vulnerabilities. And if it's actually vulnerable, don't let it get into production. Okay. So that's a preventative type uh, approach. Number two, I want to make sure that the permissions that this microservice has when it goes up is the minimum it needs, okay? 
great policy. And the third one, I want protection to run together with that microservice, that's that container or that serverless function. I want it to run inside that container and continuously monitor for threats as it's running. And I want it to be there automatically. So I don't want to, when the developer goes and deploys something, he's not going to call you to deploy any security. And like we mentioned earlier, if you leave it to him, he'll give allow all as far as permissions. So I need to find tools and create processes that actually integrate into the developer lifecycle to the CI CD. When the function or the container gets deployed, it automatically scans it for vulnerabilities, code leakages, and all sorts of stuff automatically. Applies a policy that says, hey, this is critical. That shouldn't get into production. Stops the deployment. So I already prevented the problem. By the way, best way to prevent a problem is not to get something that's vulnerable into production, right? Right, right, so I right. automated that piece. Then what should happen is that I should be able to look at that piece of microservice, let's say container of function, learn it even before it got to production to understand what security profile it needs to run with. I need to attach protection to it. Let's say it's an agent or whatever, embed code in it, whatever mechanism you choose, but it needs to get into it automatically. No involvement. You don't need to ask the developer for favors. It just needs to attach itself to it configure itself automatically, and then it's just there. It runs. That's a way where, theoretically, another term that we like to use is the concept of a paved road versus guardrails. In security, we always talk about guardrails. Developers hate the concept. I mean, you're going to go with that race car and someone puts bumpers on the road. That's how guardrail sounds. You want to build this paved road. You want to say, hey, listen, as long as you use that CI-CD process that I'm plugged into, just go. Do whatever you want. I'm going to scan, I'm going to stop it if it's not deserved to go into production, and I'm going to be able to attach protection automatically. And my protection can learn your microservice without your intervention and automatically adapt the policies to whatever I'm trying to protect. If you can do that, then theoretically, the developer can go and deploy whatever he wants. And you'll stop very bad things before they happen, or you'll detect them in runtime when they actually happen without any human intervention. I don't know if it's a happy medium, but that wasn't really possible I want to say, if you took traditional tools, and that's the biggest challenge that people face, let's say, last two to three years, it wasn't very possible to do everything I just mentioned in an automated fashion. The security technology wasn't mature enough. Even the mindset wasn't mature enough. Now you can get there. Now you can get to a point where everything I just described is doable, and you can actually automate protection for these microservices and embed it into the application development lifecycle and really go to the developer and say, listen, you do you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to tell you, by the way, hey, you, you screwed up. You shouldn't put this container that you picked up from the floor because it has critical vulnerabilities. And when it's running, I'm there. I don't need to ask you for favors to put me inside that microservice. I'm there already. So that's doable today. And I think that's the only way. I remember just a year ago, I had companies reaching out to me to, to write for them to say, we want to write articles about shifting security left. Yep. Now, when I first heard that, I was like, what do you what are you talking about? And eventually I was like, oh, okay, so pretty much what you're saying is, is we want to put all of the onus of security on the shoulders of the developers. So the developers are responsible for the security of the applications and services we deploy. Now, that's asking a whole lot because developers already have a hard enough job just to deploy the services and applications you need. So clearly, we're probably never going to get to the point where we have developers that are not just outstanding at developing applications, but are also security experts. So does that mean what we're going to have to get to the point? Maybe we already are. I don't know. You're the expert on this. But 
Are we going to have to get to the point where we can also at the same time, we deploy these services and applications. We're also deploying security modules that will then automatically be watching your code and your services for anything dubious or any vulnerabilities that can be taken advantage of. Is that where we're going to? That's where we're going. By the way, I think your notion of, can I really go to the developers and tell them, by the way, I decided we're shifting everything left, so it's your responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Good, Good luck. I don't think it works like that, to your point. They have enough and they're not experts. And it's not that they don't care, they just have other priorities, which is rightfully so. I think tools that shift left, and that's where I think the concept really makes sense. Tools that shift left really have to be able to give the developer enough information to make the smart decision in his language. So I don't think a developer wants to do the wrong thing, but he definitely hates the fact, and I think that's where you were going. I'll give an example. Like If you want to drive a developer crazy, really crazy though, let him deploy something in the runtime, like develop the application, do testing, right? Run through the entire unit testing and then and application testing and everything, deploy it, and then come back to him after two weeks and say, by the way, you know you deployed it with a vulnerability, you have to redeploy it. <laughs> Man, someone is gonna go totally yeah. <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. So the concept of shift left, the way that I look at it is yes, bring these decisions, type of decisions, as soon as possible, as close as possible, and in the language that the developer understands. So an example, hey, you're going to deploy something that has a vulnerability or is misconfigured or looks like it's over-permissive. You're going to do that. It's in this and that microservice, in this and that module. Here's what we think, based on the analysis that we've done automatically, it should look like. Here's the permission file. Here's the differences between the permissions you gave. You gave allow all. Based on the analysis we did automatically of the code, you only need to give S3 bucket access read-only. Okay, click, deploy, fine. As a developer now, I'm fine. Things need to be easy. You know, I always like looking at the past when people stopped pirating movies is when Netflix came. It just became easier to not pirate. Right, right, right. right. That's it. It's easier. Okay, fine. $8, whatever it is, $15 now, fine. It's more expensive to pirate, Right. It needs to be more expensive to do the wrong thing than the right thing. And that's really where technology has to go. And yes, to your point, I call it sort of the trust zone and no trust zone. Trust zone is the CICD is where the developers live and you give them the tools to make the right decisions. Again, simple in their language and actionable. The no trust zone is the runtime environment. So if the developer, even though you gave them the tool or whatever, or they just didn't know your tools missed something, runtime protection needs to always be there. And you touched on that. So that thing, you embed the security into the workload itself, and it just lives there all the time to make sure that nothing bad happens in the runtime environment. The trust zone and the no trust zone, and both of them have to be automated as much as possible. That's the only way to get to that happy medium. So I think the shifting left is probably better suited, not just for a standard development lifecycle, but to the DevOps lifecycle, where you have not just a developer there, you also have a security expert there who can say, this is what we want to deploy. This is how we deploy it securely. Right, yeah. And I think mostly when you run into these issues of automation and things moving really fast is where you do have, at least in modern organizations, you do have the DevOps and DevSecOps processes in place, or at least you have someone that owns the problem. When you go into an organization and no one owns the problem, then 
it's going to be very, very hard to solve to it, right? Also, one of the things that's happening right now, there's the borderline between who's the security engineer is really changing. You know, we used to, security engineers were the people that configured firewall, patched operating systems and stuff like that, right? Today, most of them are developers. If the infrastructure is code, who's the security engineer? I mean, it's usually a developer, DevOps guy or DevSecOps guy or the girl, and that's what they do. So he's a developer. You write scripts. Infrastructure is code. Security is code. Networks are code. So that line between what's a security engineer is also changing. And you see, by the way, it's really interesting. Security organizations in larger companies are recruiting developers because they need someone who can write scripts and code and understands this stuff. It's everything is code in the cloud, at least. So do you think that the onus is also on, and let's take this really fundamental, is on universities and other educational institutions to help when a student begins their journey as a developer, that they have to start educating them in such a way that it's not just about the code, it's about the security that surrounds the code or the mechanisms that help to create a secure environment so that they could at least understand those elements. Because most people that I know that have gone in all in on development, that's all they have time for. Because it's it's not easy. And when you work with a big company and you have deadlines, these deployment deadlines, you have to deliver if you have to just allow all so you can deliver, you're going to allow all. Exactly. And you need somebody over your shoulder going, you can't do that. I think education will play something into it. But I think your second point is, is probably more the reality. As a developer, you can't go to your boss and say, usually, and say, hey, I'm late because I cared about security. I don't think that's going to fly very well. I was sitting there configuring permissions. Sorry, I'm late by three weeks. I don't think that's going to fly very well. I think that's the role more of companies like Checkpoint and others to provide technologies that take the burden off the developer. And just, again, in developer language, at the right point in the development lifecycle, or, again, apply compensating technologies that say, do whatever you want. I'm there anyway in runtime. I'm going to make sure everything is okay, right? So that uh, no trust zone. That could be the happy medium right there. You have developers, as you said, doing what they do without the hindrance of having to go, oh, I have to worry about security or I'm going to lose my job. So they just deploy what they deploy. And then you have a third party like Checkpoint right. that companies can hire. And they deploy their services and their services automatically check what's going on and raises a red flag and say, hey, you've got the wrong permission set here. You need to change it or changes it automatically. And that way, developers are just doing their job. And I think that's where it's going to go. And like I said, you, you probably have to do both just because in any case, you don't want to, by definition, knowing that you're going to put something bad in the runtime environment. So if it has a vulnerability, like I said, you want to stop it as early as possible. But like I said, even if you do that, you still just want to automate the runtime as a compensating control and say, hey, go crazy. Even if I gave you all the tools in the world to make your life easy, to make smart decisions really fast, and I gave you actionable insights, but I'm going to be there in runtime automatically and you don't need to care. And that's also when that automation piece, and that's why I think we're ready for that, right? And we've invested, by the way, Checkpoint acquired four companies in the last two years in order to get to that point, right? It's not that easy. And there's a lot of saying automating application and microservices security. It's such a huge statement. And there's so much tech that comes into it because these applications change so fast. Like I mentioned, even milliseconds. 
How do you put in technology that can adapt automatically to these application changes without requiring someone to manually to intervene and fine-tune firewall rules or whatever? So, you know, a lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies come into play here and just tons, tons, tons of really hardcore cybersecurity experience in these environments. I think that now with the evolution of AI and ML and the ability to actually automate this and, and really more than a lot of things, the mindset that it ain't done till it's automated, you can find technologies, like you mentioned, like what we provide that allow you to automate security from development to runtime, building trust with developers, giving them tools they like to use. <laughs> you know, Jack, how hard it is for security companies to wake up in the morning and say, let's build something developers like. That, that's, <laughs> it's just, that, you know, someone like a puppy dies somewhere when someone says something like that. Like it's just so not the DNA. But now you have to build tools that developers love because they are the ones that are going to use it. Even checkpoint historically, you know, firewall rules that were developed for security engineers and you have the stable source destination. A developer looks at this and says, dude, I don't right. care. What is that stuff? <laughs> right. UI? Right. What's a UI? Give me a script. Give me the CLI. Give me some API. What are you talking about? And we've done, like I said, through acquisitions and organic development, we've done so much and we put so much effort around building tools developer like integrate into their life cycle but then on the other end make sure that we have technologies again machine learning ai and a lot of other stuff just automatically find themselves in front of the application and inside the microservices and always protect independently of what the developer did with no developer intervention and with no human intervention basically and that's really where it has to go because again, the scale, I'll talk a lot about the times 100 problem. And one of the things that I try to encourage people to think on the customer side or practitioner side is whatever you're thinking about as far as a process or technology, someone presents a technology to you and said, hey, you can do this and that, and this will solve your problem. And you do a POC, and it actually works. In the cloud world, in this new world that we live in, you need to think 100 times. So you, you found the piece and now you need to say, okay, just a second. What if I have a hundred times more and it moves a hundred times faster? Did this POC actually prove that I can solve the hundred times problem? Because that's the cloud. You go and then you're stripped away from everything being a hundred times bigger, faster, and the cloud providers will launch like 1,200 new services. You're going to be in such a complex environment so fast. And that's where people get overwhelmed because it is so fast. So anyway, so automation and using technologies in order to exactly like we just talked about, make the developer life, again, give him tools that he's going to say, wow, I love this tool. I want to use this tool, the Netflix type uh, feeling. And then the runtime piece and automate it. Yeah, so that's a lot of the effort that we've been doing. And I think when we get good feedback from customers on the type of technology, it's really about that. It's rarely, Jack, I have to tell you, you know, we're a security company. It's rarely you hear feedback from customers in the cloud world. Wow, your stuff is so secure. That's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear your stuff is so automated. That's awesome. I put it there. The developer changed the application like 10 times in the last month. I didn't need to touch it. It adapted automatically. I'm trying to think if someone told me your stuff is so secure, it's amazing. I don't think it's a thing. Today in this world is, can your stuff help me keep up? Because the alternative is not less secure. The alternative is nothing. It's just not going to be there. 
So it's a very different world. Anyway, the world of security is reinventing itself in this new environment. It is. And I'll ask you this one last question, and this might be a challenge, but do you think the world of security can keep up with the world of automation? I think it's going to be for a good while in some areas still a step behind just because the velocity is insane in the application development and infrastructure. It's just insane. I do think that we are getting in some areas very close. I'll give you a very good example of something that I come from an application security background and I've been doing application security for 20 years in all sorts of variations. And application security is an area, it's the definition of embrace the suck. It sucks so bad. Like everyone that did apps hates it. Because every time something changes, and I'm talking 20 years ago when things change every six months because of false positives and stuff like that. Now everything changes like every minute. So in the cloud, it sucks even more. That's the point. And we got to the point internally, which I would never think possible. Like if you would ask me five years ago, Jack, and you say, hey, TJ, what do you think? Are you going to be able to get to the point that I have an application security mechanism, sits in front of an application, it's up and running in, let's say, a day, and once it's up and running, that's it. You don't need to touch it anymore. Even if the application changes 100,000 times, it's impossible. We got there. We're there. Machine learning, AI, a lot of super smart people, not including myself. I'm way above my pay grade smart people. <laughs> but that we actually got there. So yeah, in that area, for example, we automated it. There's other areas where we are way more automated than almost anyone else I know, but we're not 100% because it is moving so fast. So I think there's hope. It's going to take a couple more years to get there in every aspect of security, but it has to because you can't put enough people. If you think about duration, I'll share with you some, another interesting insight that might interest the listeners also. When you look at security teams and you think about the traditional size of a security team and you compare it to the amount of infrastructure they had to secure, think about it like that. So you had a company, it had, let's say, whatever, 100 security engineers. And it had X infrastructure. In 2021, when you move to the cloud, it probably has 50X infrastructure because it's so easy to consume more infrastructure. It doesn't have 50X more security engineers. So it has to automate. There's just no way. It has to automate. And it has to build things more uh, you know, preventative from the get-go and not do the wrong thing. Otherwise, you're really going to break. So... I think that it has to happen. It's starting to happen. We've definitely, as a company, investing so much effort into it and put really automation at the forefront of what we're trying to do. It's going to take some time. I think anyone that says, hey, we've automated 100% of everything is a bit ahead of himself, but definitely trying to get there. Well, thank you so much, TJ, for this fantastic conversation we've had about security and good luck. I hope someday that the security does catch up with the automation because uh, the world needs it. (laughs) The world really needs it right now. Thank you very much, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Jack Wallen with The New Stack, and this has been The New Stack Makers Podcast. Checkpoint Software Technologies is a leading provider of cybersecurity and threat prevention. Checkpoint Cloud Guard provides unified cloud-native security for networks, assets, and workloads including automating cloud security, preventing threats, and managing posture all across multi-cloud environments. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Simplecast to listen to more episodes of the new Stack Makers. Then create and share your favorite audiogram using our Simplecast player. For more great stories, go to the newstack.com.
What makes for a great tech podcast? The New Stack is conducting our first podcast listener survey, and we want to hear from you. Your feedback will help us bring you the best makers show we can. Please take five minutes to fill out the survey and enter to win a $250 Amazon gift card. Go to the newstack.io slash survey and thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts.